Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Uh, If if you need a Bible, if you want to raise your hand, we've got a couple of uh, volunteers who are willing to to, um, find you, track you down. They will find you, and they will give you a Bible. Uh, So... I see that hand up there, but I also see your mom putting down the hand, so we're okay. Um, I, have a, I have a lot that I want to share with you. Um, I feel like my heart is kind of heavy. Um, I was encouraged this morning to start with a joke, so forgive me. <laughs> uh, it is a joke that I heard from a, a, a pastor of a sister church of ours in Yuba City, uh, Pastor Jim Clark, and I was actually at a family camp that I heard him tell this, so some of you might have been there, might, might have heard this, or maybe you've heard this joke before, um, but uh, there's a pastor who uh, is, is preaching a sermon, it's very inspired, um, you know, the, this message is fantastic, they take an offering, it's a smaller church, so you know, the, the pastor is the one guy who's doing everything, and this is also back in the day before uh, you know, you could do everything from your cell phone. This is actually before cell phones altogether. Um, but so he's out in the in the back of the church counting the offering, and suddenly he comes across a business card, and, and on it is written, "Hey, pastor, we've never met, um, but I was at church today, and I was really blessed by your message. I would love it if you would come to my house, and uh, and and come and have lunch with me, or or dinner, really any time. You're free to to come up. Here's my address." My house is the one with the long, winding driveway with the big garden in front. Just, just come up, and, and, we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll have a meal together. So the pastor's like, that's kind of weird, but I'm, I'm excited. So, so he picks a day, and he goes. Uh, goes to the house, finds the long, winding driveway, walks into the garden. He's like, wow, this is really beautiful. And he goes, and he knocks on the door, and there's no one there. He's like... Hmm. Okay, well, since he, was, since he left me this business card, this kind of weird communication, I'll leave my business card with a note. But on it, all he writes is Revelation 3.20. Has anyone got Revelation 3.20? Let me... And? If you would open to me, I would come in and we would share a meal as friends. <laughs> so... He's like, oh, I got him. That was so good. Uh, then he goes back to church. Next Sunday, he's counting the offering again. And here's another uh, business card. And on it, all, all that's written is Genesis 3.10. Anyone want to turn there and read that one? Any, anyone, anyone, anyone got Genesis 3.10? I'll turn there. I'll turn there. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> It says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> so there's a joke for us. It's good to, to have, have joy in the house of the Lord here. It's, <laughs> and we can rejoice because we have hope. Our, our message today is, is not so... <laughs> happy and joyful. It is, it is rather scary and sad, and um, there, there is always hope, but, uh, 
but so it's, it's good to remember that, that, that we, have, we have a hope and we have a joy, so I'm glad we can laugh together. Um, we are right in the middle of a sermon series in Daniel, actually probably closer to the beginning because we're only in chapter one, um, but uh, the, our series is called Shining in Babylon, Shining in Babylon. We're going to be reading chapter one, verses eight through 21, and uh, I just want to kind of remind us that, that this is, this is a, a, an awful time that these guys are in. Actually, let me, let me pray for us first, we'll, then, then we'll do a little bit of recap, and, and we'll read the scripture together. But, so close your eyes and pray with me. Lord God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for um, the joy that is shared among believers. We thank you that, that you are our hope, our source of joy, our life, our everything. And we just surrender to you once again, Lord. Um, I just want to lift up this time to you, God, that you would be honored and glorified in this moment, Lord. That as we look at your scripture, that we would find hope in you and hope in you alone, God. Help us to, to uh, learn how to live in the middle of, of Babylon. Learn how to live in the middle of a, of a godless culture. We love you, Lord. We pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, if you're reading in the uh, the Bible, the 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 black hardback Bible, it's the NLT, the New Living Translation. The first verse, or, or verse eight that we're starting with, says, "But Daniel." Um, and if you ever read a verse that starts with the word "but" or "therefore," you should probably go back and read what they were going to say. There's a a new kind of cheeky book that says, uh, or that's called How Not to Read the Bible. And the first chapter says, never read a Bible verse. <laughs> and, they're, and they're saying, read it in context. Read it in context. Um, and I have a friend who says, if you read a text without the context, or if you take the text out of its context, all that you're left with is a con. <laughs> So, so don't get conned. Get, figure out where are we? What is this book even about? So that's what I want to do with you a little bit. Um, so uh, we, we talked about um, Daniel. We talked about Babylon. This is the, the children of Israel, God's holy people. The nation is ransacked, sieged, or besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar and, and the Babylonians. And some of the young people are deported from Israel to Babylon um, to be uh, to be trained in in the the, the education of of Babylon uh, to become servants of the king. Uh, and I just actually want to look at the first verse here, or the first half of the of of. Verse 8, it says, But Daniel was determined to not defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to, given to them by the king. Um, some other translations say, But Daniel was determined to not be defiled by anything. Um, which is an interesting thing because they've just been taken out of their homeland. They, they, they've lost, lost their home. They have... Uh, uh, the verse right before, in, in verse 6 and 7, is Daniel and these three other um, Jewish boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, 
are having their names changed. So not only are they taken out of their culture and their home, their name, their primary identifier is being changed. And not changed in a minor way, changed in ways that totally belittle who God is, who they are. Um, Literally, their names either worship foreign gods, which would be the worst thing in the world for these good Jewish boys who have always done what is right according to the law, for their name to now mean uh, that God is king now, uh, you know, is, is awful. Or one of their names is, is changed to, I'm a really little person. You know, for, for, that, to be, for that to be your new name, that someone's saying, every time they call you, they're like, hey, what's up, really small guy? Like, you know, it's just, it's belittling. Um, so Daniel was determined to not be defiled by anything. He's in the middle of an awful, awful culture. That's, that's where we find ourselves. That's where we find ourselves for the story. So let's read um, verses 8 through 21. But Daniel was determined to not defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered you to eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And when the training period ordered by the king was complete, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, but no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. A couple timeline things here. This book is taking place right around 600 BCE and... 550 BCE, and uh, this uh, training period that it said, when the training period time was completed, was about three years. Three years. And then it said, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year, or the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. That's about 50 years that Daniel 
was was um, serving uh, the the king of Babylon. Something that I think is really important to uh, point out. It's not a fun thing to point out, um, but I. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit into the Hebrew because um, I took some Hebrew classes. Um, Babylon is an actual kingdom that really, really existed, and, and we're, we're reading about it right now. It was, they were powerful, they were strong, they were clever. This is like the most perfectly wicked thing to, to take a bunch of young people out of their culture, train them in your way, um, to pretty much brainwash them into, you take them while they're young, you know? Steal them away and use them for our service instead of theirs. Like, this is, this is, this is crafty. This is serpent-in-the-garden kind of craftiness. Um, so it is a real place. But also, you'll see the word Babylon pop up all over the Bible. Because not only does it refer to the actual kingdom of Babylon, but it refers to that exalts itself a kingdom where they just defile God and his, his plans, his, his uh, laws. Um, and in Hebrew, you never see the word Babylon. We, we, I don't know, I don't know exactly, I should have probably looked up exactly how it happened. But if you read it in the Hebrew, all you see is three letters. In Hebrew, it's a little different, but it's like the letters that would be like BBL, which says Babel. And if you've been in church for a while, or you've ever tried to read the Bible from beginning to end, it doesn't take very long to find a bunch of humans all of the human population trying to build a tower into heaven that's called the Tower of Babel. This is the time where, where the people of the earth said, you know what? Gods live in the heavens. If we build a tower up into the heavens, maybe we could become gods, make a name for ourselves. Let's do that. Like, and so they all work together, use all their cunning and their skill and their planning and their blueprinting, and they are building this huge tower. And God looks at them and says, oh, you're cute. And also desperately wicked, which is, I think, every two-year-old, right? <laughs> cute and desperately wicked at the same time. Like, that's, um, that's what God... And then he scatters them. He, he's like, no, this, this tower, you're, you're not... You're, you're trying to make a name for yourself? It's not going to happen. We're going we're gonna to scatter you all. Um, and that's Babel. So every time we see Babylon pop up, yeah, we should think of the kingdom of Babylon. It's, it's a good comparison. But it even goes further back to the Tower of Babel, where Tower of Babel seems a little bit more innocent compared to Babylon. Um, and now I want to address another thing. In this New Living trans uh, Translation, we read um, about the chief of staff. Um, the that, the word staff is also it might, in your translation. It might say eunuch, um, which I'm just going to be honest. I grew up in the church. I read the word eunuch a thousand times. I just was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'll just try to use the context to figure out what it was. I never knew what it was uh, until I was already an adult. Um, but uh, just to be overly clear, a eunuch is a castrated male. So if you are going to enter into the, the service of this royal family, 
they are going to make sure that you're not going to ruin anything. You're not going to start a family with someone that you're not supposed to have a family with. Or here you are, you're a, a, a um, conquered people group, and this is one way to make sure that your people group will die out. But we're still going to use you in our service. So not only... And, and it's not 100% certain that Daniel and his friends are eunuchs, but the person that's in charge of them is also the person who's in charge of the eunuchs. So I'm just going to make a little bit of an assumption and say that they are. Um, and it's debated among scholars. But so these men have been taken out of their culture. They have been taken... Uh, or their names have been changed. Their identity has been literally reversed. By the, you know, their names now mean the opposite of what they should mean. And also, any hope that they had to start a family, any hope that they had to leave a lasting legacy, like those are things that really matter to, to us today. But in these times, your kids were also your workforce, <laughs> They, they served in your farm to, to bring in the crops. Like, that's, that's how you survived. There's also your insurance. If something happened to you, you know that they could take care of things. And also, they're your retirement. Like, you all live in the same home, and when you're unable, they take care of you. So, like, yeah, it would be tragic for us today, even worse for them in, in this time, to say that, you're never going to get any insurance. You're never going to have any retirement. You're never going to be able to have a flock that you call your own. You are now Babylon's, and the only people you are in charge of are the people we put you in charge of. You don't have your own people. You never will. So this is awful. Awful. And, verse 8, Daniel was determined to not defile himself. He has been defiled. He has had things forced on him that none of us would ever wish upon, or I don't know, like probably on your worst enemy, maybe. But he's had these things forced on him that are awful, that some of us could, could never even imagine that happening. And he still was determined to not be defiled. Let that be a message unto itself. No matter what awful stuff happens, be determined to not be defiled. Uh, the verse that always comes to my mind is uh, James 1.27. It says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Other translations say, keeping yourself undefiled, keeping yourself unstained from the world. So, yeah, things are going to happen to you in your power. Please do whatever it takes to stay undefiled. So, we today are living in Babylon. We are living in a type of Babylon. And some of you may say, I don't know. America is a Christian nation. And I would say, America may have been founded on some tenets that line up with 
biblical reasoning. The majority of people in America may say, I am a Christian, um, and they may actually be Christians, or they might just not know, and so they're like, well, I think this is the easier, you know, this is the one that I should pick. Um, But I would also say that Christians don't, uh, Christians aren't citizens of America. Christians are not citizens of Israel, just in case you think I was saying that, oh, well, it's only, Israel's where it really happens. No. Christians are not citizens of Africa, South, South America, Europe. Nope. Christians are citizens of heaven, Amen. and heaven alone. That's it. And if we, if we ever identify with a nation before we identify with our God, then, then I don't think we've really given them everything. So we have to find our identity in him alone. So, so no, America is not a Christian nation. America may be a nation where a bunch of Christians are sojourning through. Because that's, uh, I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. <laughs> like, I'm just wandering through. You know, th- th- that's my home. Heaven is my home. That's, wh- that's where I belong. It's with my father. But here I am. I am, I- I'm, I'm just wandering I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. And God in his mercy has allowed his kingdom to be here on earth, but not in its fullness yet. Not in its fullness. That'll only happen when he comes back. That'll only happen either when he comes to me or when I go to him. Like that's, and then I'll see his kingdom fully realized. Like Jesus tells his disciples to pray. Uh, how does that go? <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, it's happening perfectly in heaven. Please allow it to happen perfectly here. I know that's impossible, but you do the impossible. Allow, allow it to happen perfectly, even just for this moment, even just for this day. Allow me to trust you and serve you like we're in heaven. Please. But, so, so we live in a, in a foreign land. We live in a world that is is uh, forcing its opinions and, and views on us. Uh, and we have an option of how we're going to respond. Um, Richard Niebuhr wrote a, a book called Christ in Culture and was talking about all the possible responses of Christians and how, how we should respond. And it, it pretty much is, are we going to like cocoon ourselves away and just be in our little Christian huddle? Are we going to totally conform to the culture or are we going to allow Jesus to work through us even though we live in Babylon, even though I'm not a fan of what's happening, am I going to live this life like God is calling me to? Am I going to serve like God is calling me to even in the worst of situations? But So Daniel and his friends are, are in this awful situation. They're in this three-year college training thing where they're being told, uh, you know, or instructed in, in writing and reading and all this stuff, and uh, to, to be able to serve in, the, in the, royal, the royal service. And they're given this food. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but my, my first instinct might be to say, can we not go to the school? Can, like, my first instinct might be to say, can I not do the training? And that's not what Daniel does. Daniel's going to the training. He says, please, please, 
can I eat food that is that, that I'm allowed to eat? Some of the reasons why he might be uh, really offended by this food is that, you know, the Jews had so many uh, dietary restrictions, uh, legal restrictions on what they were supposed to eat, given by God, not someone made it up. No, God gave them these foods, which is interesting looking back. So many of the foods that are off limits are things that need to be handled really carefully when cooked, like bottom feeding animals and shellfish and uh, and pigs and bats and like these are these are things that it's like it might be I think I've heard of a couple of diseases that come from those animals you know that I uh, you know it, it's it's not hard to get sick from these things so it's almost like wow God you really knew what you were doing that's amazing he was protecting his people so uh, so the food that they're serving the meat might be from animals that are not kosher or even if it is from you know animals that are kosher like cows or lambs there's still a very important way to prepare it to make sure that there's not any blood in the meat because God, was, God told his people, like, don't eat blood. Don't do it. Which, I mean, a rare steak just... Whew. But, hey, Lord, if that's what you want, I, thank, you, thank you, Jesus, that, that we can have bacon. <laughs> um, but, but this might have been just this, this really rare steak with a ton of bacon piled up on it and... To a good Jewish boy, that is, uh, that's awful, you know? That's like, this is the worst thing that I could ever do. Um, I would like to take this moment to say that my wife is a vegetarian, and uh, that's what Daniel is suggesting here. So she is obeying the commands of Scripture better than any of us. (laughs) Um, Way to go, Rachel. I'm proud of you. Um, But I... but this food would be you know, either unkosher, or another option is that it has been offered and sacrificed as a, uh, as a yeah, an offering to a foreign god. And so that would actually be worse than eating unkosher food, would be to eat food that has been offered to another deity. You know, that, that would be to participate in the, wor- the worship of another religion. That would be to offer my worship to another god. If I was going to partake in that food, so either way, Daniel's like, I cannot do this. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I know you're putting it in front of me. Please, just please. Daniel offers a different option. Please, would you would you feed me something else? And just for clarity, vegetables. It it, it might also include grains. They're talking about like you know, natural stuff coming from the ground. And their vegetables were probably like cucumbers and melons, and, and, and then there might be grains included in that lot as well. So it's not saying just eat vegetables. Um, it's not even actually suggesting that we should eat like that. He's saying, in com- of the food that you have offered, this stuff is the only stuff that I can eat. Please, can I just have vegetables and water? Please. And he refuses it. He refuses it. And it turns out that he is more healthy as a result. Him and his friends are more healthy. Okay, so here we go. Babylon has a diet, sometimes strictly enforced, that is full of impure things. Now, take a journey with me to step away from the food diet, and let's think about a different kind of diet. What do we take in with our eyes? 
What do we take in with our ears? I'm, I mean, maybe it's the food, too. I don't know. But uh, like Arby's, I don't know. But, but let's think about what we take in, our diet, our regular diet. Um, it is not uncommon, especially in, in my age group, for people to wake up and immediately roll over and the first thing they do is look at their cell phone and, and are glued to that and are scrolling, you know? It's, just, it's really, really normal. What kind of diet is that? It might be like waking up first thing in the morning and just like eating an entire cake and letting that be, well, I guess pancakes. But, you know, it's not, this, is, this isn't the, the healthy route to go. If I do that every morning, if I start every morning with an entire cake, like, I think I will suffer the consequences. It might be really good one day. Day two would probably be rough. But, there, but our diet, if you, it's not hard to stop and to think um, about our culture's diet. Beliefs, entertainment, social media, news, music, education, even things that are becoming more normal with like sexual promiscuity or drug intake or how we handle those kinds of things. There is something that the culture says that is very normal, that, is in, that they are inviting us to participate in, and other times things that they are forcing us to participate in. Um, and so we have a choice of how we are going to respond. Uh, Daniel protests. Now God gave the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. We need to, pro- we need to protest Babylon in a way that makes Babylon respect and have affection for us. Now, keep in mind, These are the people that changed his name, stole him from his family, and castrated him. And he is seeking after their respect and affection. I don't know about you, but I might not be able to do that. I might be too stubborn. I might be too angry. It's only by the grace of God that my heart could be soft enough to to desire the well-being of someone who has been so, so evil to me. It's almost like this guy is trying to love his enemies and pray for those who persecute him, you know? It's almost like he's already got Jesus or something. Almost like he's already got the Holy Spirit. He protests. Our culture is wicked. It is Babylon. Um, and it's easy immediately to go to to, to politics, so I'm going to take a quick step there. First, I want to say that a word that is related to politics is the word polite. And those, both polite and politics, are about how can we coexist together in a way that we don't cause any fights. We struggle with that as Americans. It's in our blood to be angry and to throw tea over the edges of ships and stuff like that. Like, that's just, that's in our DNA. Um, But I would just like to ask a question. Raise your hand if you're going to die. I'm not talking about how soon. I'm just saying, like, are you going to? Okay, yes. Okay. 
So praise God, we have hope beyond life. It's not, it's not depressing for us to, to know that we're going to die. It's, it's normal. Some people think that they're going to be transhuman and exist for all eternity. I, I don't, God already has a plan for that. Technology is not going to do it. But when you die, your body decays. When you die, your money is irrelevant. We live in a culture where... I won't say the worst thing that can happen to us, but we get really upset when we get taxed too much and without representation. Those are the things that really make us angry. And, and there are laws that are put in place that increase our taxes in different ways, and we get angry. Most Cultures that are like Babylon have made games out of killing Christians. Most cultures that are like Babylon have done stuff like this where they take the Christians and say, we're going to brainwash you until, until the, and, and we're going to mutilate you until you have no hope to have a family and we're going to train you up in our way. Most Babylon-like cultures have literally made a sport out of making Christians' lives miserable. This Babylon that we live in, it's not that bad. Also, they don't, des- they don't desire to make a game out of uh, killing you. They seek to make a game out of deactivating you, out of making you so, so comfortable that there's no reason to preach the gospel Everyone's already got the good news out there. It's the American dream. They already have the house. They already have the eternal mortgage payment. Like They've got what you're supposed to have. Don't be deactivated. And don't get angry over things that are so, so frivolous. And, and I'm not saying that money doesn't matter, how, but it's not ours. Like... Uh, our, our money is not our own. Because when, when we die, it's gone. It's someone else's. Right now, it is God's. So let's act like it's God's. God's. Let's, let's use it like it's God's. My body is not my own anyway. When, when I die, my body's going to d- decay. But right now, it's not mine to begin with. Let me live. Like, even if my body gets mutilated by someone, let me look at them like Jesus says, or like Stephen. It's great to say Stephen because he was a human being who was not also fully God, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. People are, are throwing rocks at him until he's about to die, and he looks at them. And he looks to God and says, Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. That's the same thing Jesus says on the cross. But he's asking God to forgive the ones who are killing him? That's like Daniel and his friends who are being mutilated and oppressed and are still seeking the respect and the affection of these, of these people. Babylon's diet will defile your faith and deactivate you. It will. So find ways to resist it. Find ways to choose a different diet. But do it in a way that actually 
is the, to the benefit of the people in Babylon. We should never, ever say, I love Babylon's culture. But we should always say, as Christians, I love Babylon's people. And it's so hard. It's so hard to find that line. But that is what the Christian life is about, is to be in the middle of an evil world and to be loving evil people because I was one of them. I was an evil, wicked person, and Jesus miraculously changed my heart and turned me around. God, let me do what, let me serve so that I can watch that miracle happen in someone else's life. Please, God, please let me be a part of that miracle. So let's live in Babylon. Let's resist their diet. And here's the crazy thing. These guys, for three years, are being trained, and at the end of it, they are the best of the best. These are the Marines, <laughs> like, like they're Navy SEALs. These guys are incredible. They have served and trained, and they have done better than anyone else. King Nebuchadnezzar said, these guys are the cream of the crop. They're the absolute best. What are they the best at? Serving Babylon. Like, I can't think of a single Jewish person that would say, you know what I want to do for the rest of my life? Is serve Babylon. I want to serve a foreign king. I want to be really, really good at that. No, no one, no one would choose that. But this is, this is an opportunity for, for us to, to say, there, there are things that are going to happen to us that we don't have control of. Yeah, I make a bunch of mistakes, and I have a bunch of sin. Yeah, I, that was my fault. There's stuff that happened to me that I didn't have any control over. That's each one of us. God redeems even the worst situations for his glory. He says, oh, you're lost in Babylon. Oh, you've been mutilated. Oh, your name has been changed. I am going to train you. You're going to be trained in Babylon, Babylonian culture, and I'm going to inspire you to write a book so that thousands of years later, people will be able to read and be able to see that, you know what? Maybe my Babylon's not that bad. You know what? Maybe I can serve the people who I hate. Maybe I can love the people who are trying to kill me. Maybe I can love the people who have different political opinions than me. Maybe I can show them the love of Christ, even though I so badly detest their behavior. Let me love them anyway. Paul says it like this, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. Each one of these people that I see, they are the target of my affection. They are the target of Jesus' affection. Let me echo that. Let me act like Jesus in the way that I love them. Because the thing that is evil in them is a spiritual force that is motivating them. I, I, I'm, I'm motivated by a spiritual force. I hope that doesn't sound all new agey, but it is, it is the living God Amen. who animates me and motivates me and by his Holy Spirit prompts me to do things. There are other spirits that are doing that to other people in different ways. Some, just to call out a couple, the spirit of greed. That's most Americans in a capitalist society is, I want more. The spirit of power, the spirit of lust. These are things that people, it motivates their whole life and how they want to live. I shouldn't be shocked that they're motivated that way because I'm motivated by a different spirit. And that spirit is pure evil totally anti-God, anti-Christ, absolutely. But that person who's being motivated by that spirit, they are the one that Jesus died for. Amen. Right. Let me love them 
like Jesus laid down his life for them. These guys become the best of the best to serve Babylon. Daniel serves for 50 years. That's incredible. That is dedication. That is obedience in the middle of a wor- the worst situation. We're going we're gonna, to you know, hear a bunch of other stories. Every one of these stories is going to echo the same point, that Babylon is evil. They're telling you to do something. Serve God no matter what. What are you afraid of losing? Respect? Reputation? Your life? Those things are so fleeting. And God is stronger than all of them. We can, we can trust him that he's going to provide for us even in our worst moment, even in our greatest moment of fear and weakness. He will provide. He will, he will take care of us. So for us, for, for this particular passage, we have to be aware, because all the passages are going to have that message, but for this particular one, the nuance about it is that there is a diet that, that we get to have a say in. Sometimes it's forced on us, but we can politely say, I would really love it if you would just see if my way is okay. Just please, please, just let me, let me try it. Just observe. Observe the way that I am. And if, you, if, if I'm doing a worse job, then that, that's fine. We'll, we'll go back. But just test me. Test me, please. And in that process, become the best Babylon servers that have ever served in Babylon. <laughs> like the people who are Babylonian, who have all the national pride in the world, are worse <laughs> than Daniel and his three friends. Let's be like that. So I'm not saying totally disengage from the culture. No, you're in the culture for better or for worse. I'm also not, not saying to conform to the culture and, and do whatever they say. No, we're right in the middle because we, we are citizens of heaven. We, we, are, we are motivated by the Spirit of God. Let's serve and let's love those people. It, it might mean getting more involved in politics, but getting more involved in a way that echoes God's love instead of the hatred that is so rampant among us. Let's love and let's serve. And love is not always cute and cuddly. Sometimes love looks like a sword. Sometimes love means standing up for injustice, or you know, standing up for those who have had injustice done to them. You know, it, so, sometimes love is angry. Sometimes love means discipline. You know, these these are this is real love. Let's have that real kind of love. Let's speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Let's have mercy on those people who are oppressing us and who are oppressing others. Let's, how, how am I supposed to have justice and mercy at the same time? That sounds like something that's going to take a miracle. Let's pray for that miracle. Let's serve in Babylon. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you have put us right in the middle of this culture, Lord, that uh, is taking all the things that we care about and love and and we do to honor you and they're twisting them, removing them, uh, you know, pressing down on us. I even just think about how it's it's not BC anymore. It's BCE and it's not AD, it's CE. Like that that's the culture shifting things away. Just whatever they can do to stop saying Jesus's name, whatever they can do to stop acknowledging your power, Jesus. They're trying to do God, help us to live in that culture and to serve you with our whole hearts. 
Allow us to live in this culture and to serve them and love them like you have loved us. Even when we were wicked, even when we were sinners, Christ, you died for us. You died for us. You laid down your life for us. God, help us to not think of our lives as so valuable that it must be protected. God, it's because you are the one who protected our lives. You are the one who holds our lives. Lord, help us to lay down our life for you. Help us to serve you. Help us to listen to your command to serve Babylon. Help us to shine bright in the middle of the darkness. Help us to not have our, lives, our lights snuffed out no matter how bad it gets. We love you, Lord. We, we need you and we pray for this miracle um, to continue on in our lives today, just today, God. And then help us tomorrow to pray that you would be with us then and every day forth. We love you, Lord. We just ask that you would glorify yourself through us and with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Do we have any um, announcements? Is there an announcement video? No, no. So the announcement is, go shine in Babylon. Go serve the people who hate the Lord. Oh, I love to hear